Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. On today's episode, we're so excited to have some new friends of ours, Eric and Kristen Hill, joining us. If you've listened for a while, you heard our wonderful episode back in the summertime with Kristen called Go and Tell No One. If you haven't listened to that one, please go back and check it out. It was so amazing. But today, we had the wonderful honor of having Eric join her as well. They're just incredible. Yeah, they are doing some amazing work. They have a ministry called With You Ministries, and they've worked on a number of projects. Their latest project right now is an amazing project. You heard them speak here locally Mm -hmm. in Franklin, and you came home and you're like, oh my gosh, this message is so good and so (laughs) important. So the book's called? The First Breakfast. I think it makes a difference. I don't know about if you guys feel this way, but it makes a difference when you know the people's heart that are speaking. I don't know. I just believe them. Like every word they say, I believe them. Like I know that they are living this out. I know the work that they've put into this project. I, I know they believe what they're talking about. So I don't know. I think it just helped prepare my heart for it to hit me in a different way. And I think God just timed it. I just really needed to hear Um, the message that they gave. So we have been so excited to have them on and for you to hear this message as well. And our prayer is that it will hit you wherever you're at. Um, It's a message of redemption. Mm -hmm. The first breakfast follows the relationship of Jesus and Peter. Um, And specifically on that morning on the beach with that first breakfast that Jesus cooked the disciples after the last supper. And it's this picture, it's this invitation for redemption for Peter. And I think what hit me, and you'll hear them talk about this in such an incredible way, that the invitation that Jesus gives Peter for redemption is the same one that is extended to us. We all have things, I'm sure you do as well. I know I do. Like I have things in my past, in my story, that I long for God to redeem. And I want to live from that place of being restored. And that is what he offered to Peter, and that is what he offers to us. So that is what this conversation is about. It was just incredible, and we can't wait for you to hear it. Yeah, and I love the fact that it's a husband-wife duo who are championing each other Mm -hmm. to step into their gifts and collectively together are locking arms saying, okay, Jesus, we're trusting you you've called us to do this thing we're taking this big step into ministry and trying to serve the world and they're actually doing it i love their hearts i love their authenticity and i cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode so without further ado here is eric and Kristen. all right well eric and Kristen, welcome to the show Thanks for having us. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, oh, we're so excited to have you both this time. That's We've right. had Kristen before. If you're listening and you have not listened to Kristen's episode that she did with us first, it's called Go and Tell No One. It was incredible. So um, it really was. We we're just talking before we got on. Like We heard from so many people, even like way after the episode aired, right. that they would keep coming back to that one. There's something about that message particularly in our culture today, like that there, we need to make space for what's secret mm-hmm. and sacred. And, and that idea that some moments are too sacred to share, I think really hit home with people, certainly did with us. So we are glad mm-hmm. to have you on though, um, Eric, joining us today. So thank you so much for being here. We just love you guys. We love the ministry that God's doing through you and your hearts to love mm-hmm. and serve him and serve people. So thank you for being here. 
Absolutely. I think what I'd love to do is kind of start with, we're talking about being here. How, how did you get here? You guys are speakers, authors, you have this ministry thing you're doing, but um, maybe just share a little snippet with our audience of how you ended up doing what it is you're doing today together. Yeah, so for many years, I, I was a pastor at several different churches in Houston, and the way we describe it is our target just began to shrink. You wake up to it one day, and you finally realize there are certain things that I love to do, and there are a lot of things that I don't really care to do. (laughs) (laughs) But they're necessary, Mm -hmm. and so you do them. But if you find yourself in a place in life where you're, you're finally like, well, we can make some intentional decisions that would help us, uh, I guess, shrink our target so that we stay in this one spot where it seems to be when we talk about this, when we do this with people, when we are free to do this, you know, we just laid it out and we were like, how do we stay here? And it doesn't mean that we don't ever do things that we don't like to do. It just means we're doing more of what we like to do mm-hmm. and more of what we feel like God has called us to do and put on our hearts. And how can we be a tangible expression of his love? And I think every person should ask themselves that question. God, how have you called me to be a specific and tangible expression of your love? And I think it's why he creates us the way he creates us. There's a specific way that he's made both of you to do what only you you guys could do. Mm -hmm. And so our job isn't to watch you and mimic you, you know? And so... I think that's what we were seeing a lot of was was more mimicking and not like true discipleship or true like what Jesus actually did mm-hmm. with them. He said, follow me, but he gave them, they each had their own way that they followed him. Yeah. He didn't say, I want you to look and sound and walk exactly like me in everything. He was, he was talking about the spirit. Yeah. This is the being I want you to follow. Mm-hmm. How you express that is your own creative way. And, and so we began to, what, what does it look like to shrink the target mm-hmm. with that? And I think for us, it was, you know, we're both super creative. And so we were always thinking about the creative order of God, you know, and you can get, that's like a, a black hole, right? I mean, you can just, <laughs> it's, just, sure. right? it's just yeah. like, if that's in you, you can just stay lost in that for a long time. But then you, it's like, he didn't create you just for that there was a second layer that you move into and that's the created order. And that was, it's relational. How do you take what he's given you and express that into the relationships that are already in your life? And so that means wherever you are, you have to look right next to you. Mm -hmm. You have to look at home first. You have to look at your children. You have to look at your friends. You have to look at your coworkers. And then from there, it's, you go into this covenant order of God And then that's actually the starting place. So for us, we were just so excited about trying to help people move from out here to the covenant order of God, which is, I want you to rest in me. And is it okay? Is it enough for you to know just this one thing that I'm with you? Mm -hmm. That's the starting line. Yeah. And all this other stuff, that's going to be this expression of your doing but it's going to come from your being and it's going to be from a place of rest because it didn't start with you. And that's how this started. That's where we want to live. That's we want to live and walk with people in that place. So it makes you more curious about people. You start to listen because when you look at Jesus, 
that's really who he was. He was just curious. He was always asking questions and it was always to draw out Mm -hmm. what was really going on in, in people's souls. It's not like he didn't know, but he gives us a chance to respond by being curious instead of just commanding. I command you. He's like, I'm curious about you. I already know. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to draw close to the desire that I've already put in you. And it's the deepest desire that you have. And it's to be my beloved. So we were like, can we have a ministry that just does that? <laughs> and I'm like, can we just do that? And I'm like, why not? You know, of course, it's really hard to like draw out a business plan for that. And, you know, all these things come along with this. And we're like, I don't know. You know, like, is it okay that this is what we want to do with people? God, and it's like, well, that's kind of what Jesus did. Okay, well, that's cool. I guess we can do it, you know? like, <laughs> And that's what the disciples did. They literally he just sent them out. And all I want you to do is speak peace, and people will either accept it or reject it. And so that's a long answer, but <laughs> it was really a work over years for us that we finally were like, we have some things in us, God. You put this in us for a reason and how can we allow this to come out in such a way that it matches what you've already said, not come up with new things, but just how can we draw from what is already true? Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I want to hang there just for a second and and see if you guys could talk more specifically about narrowing the target. Like you said, finding what you were created to do, knowing what you were created to do, but a lot of people stop there, you know, because it's yeah. a lot easier to find that out and, and acknowledge it and then actually jump out of the boat. <laughs> like yeah, that, totally. that requires courage. That requires mm-hmm. action. Like all of those things are really difficult to do. So I would love for you to talk more about what that looked like for you guys as a couple, as a family, leading your kids mm-hmm. through that. Um, I heard you say, Eric, that it was more about where God was calling you than where you were called to leave. And I just love that um, so much because I think a lot of us can feel like, well, there must be something wrong with where I am if God's calling me somewhere else. But that's not actually true. It's not about Mm -hmm. where you're leaving. It's about what's next and what he's calling you to. So talk about that journey of jumping out of the boat to follow Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah, that's a it's the question that you would ask yourself or that you would ask someone else who might be facing a transition, a transition. It's like, instead of what's wrong with this place, it's more, what's God doing in you? Yeah. What do you think he's stirring up? And if we were to look at the past, are you able to pinpoint some places in your past that you feel like, okay, this is a natural progression, or this is something he's been trying to tell me over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And for whatever reason, I'm not surrendering. Mm. And so I think the focus has to remain on what is God already doing in you. And that's the starting point. And then where we stop is it's too mysterious, right? (laughs) It's so mysterious. Or the other way is we manage it to the point where there's no mystery. Mm. So I think there's a danger on both ends when someone's in this spot of transitioning. It's it's too much mystery or I manage it. So there is no mystery. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's okay to sort of acknowledge when that's really hard, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, that's certainly been part of our story is that there's been a, a lot of time, you know, we all have those seasons or maybe even just moments where we're like excited and I've got vision for this and it feels right. Let's do this. And then, 
you know, if there's not a, a clear playbook, it can feel mysterious and vague. And then we re, then we feel like something must be wrong. And maybe I didn't hear God right, or maybe I'm not all that I thought, you know, maybe I don't have all that it takes for this. And so, you know, what's cool is to just look through the story of scripture and see, you know, that that is so much the story of God, you know, him calling and using people that didn't necessarily feel super equipped and trained and like they were the right person for the job. And I think, Jenny, just to sort of reiterate what you were saying, it's so often about much more about where you're headed than where you've been and maybe even more so about what God is wanting to do in you mm-hmm. through the mystery, yeah. through the surrender. And I think we would all agree it's not as easy but those moments when we've had to just really <laughs> rely on the strength of the Lord because we're feeling like mm-hmm. super weak, that's when He is most on display and is refining in us. And those are the stories we love to hear. They're harder to be in the middle of, but we know that's so often how God works. Yeah, and I think it's spiritual formation at its finest mm-hmm. when we're confused. <laughs> when we don't know what to do next. Yeah. When the future is just unclear. And I think it's, you know, Larry Crabb, one of my favorites, he says spiritual formation is the process by which the Holy Spirit of God relieves the tension of a seeking honest soul. But I think we had gotten to the point where like, we have to be honest with ourselves here. We have to be honest with what he's already put in us. Mm -hmm. And if we're not, that's a lack of faith Mm. in saying, I don't really believe that you'll take care of us, God. I don't really believe that you'll provide for us in such a way. And I will tell you, that is, I can say that now, that I've been on, I was on many runs and crying, you know, <laughs> literally like bawling, God, I don't want to do this. I have a family. I have three little girls. How are we going to provide for ourselves? And it was just, it was like, unless you trust me, I'm not sure you'll ever know the depth of me. I'm not sure you'll ever know what I want you to know about me, that I really will provide for you in ways that you could not even comprehend. And that's the real gift. And until you surrender to that, I think it's easy for us as humans to create something and say, thank you, God, without ever really having to trust him for it. (laughs) You can go to a million conferences right now, church conferences that tell you exactly how to start a church. And you can start a church and be a mega church and God doesn't have to be a part of it. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying when I say that? Yes, it's so sad. Anything, you can start anything. <laughs> anything, yeah. but I yeah. mean, it, it is true that we can make our plans and we can follow manage the formulas. It, follow the formulas mm. to the point where it's successful in man's eyes. So I don't want to get off the point, but for us, we had to come to that point for us. So it was less about what we thought about the church or didn't think about the church. It was more about what is the kingdom of God look like and how do we want to be a part of that? I love all that you guys are sharing. I love the idea of of the target getting smaller, really getting some vision, uh, your heart to trust the Lord and let him guide you even in the midst of trying to have a plan and trying to live in the mystery of it all. <laughs> and I, you know, I think some of the times you hear from people, the sweetest moments they look back on is the moments that they were like, oh, remember when we couldn't pay that bill and that was crazy and we were building a thing and we had to make a change and all that stuff. So like 
these are the sweet moments, but sometimes it's so hard to remember that right in the midst of it. But Mm -hmm. you talked about this vision that God's given you, and specifically, he's given you this vision for this project. It's called The First Breakfast. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our listeners what The First Breakfast is all about and how it came into being? Sure. Yeah. So like we said, before it became a book, it was first a retreat that we that we did for several years following the relationship between Jesus and Peter. And, um, you know, it's sort of like a another expression of God's heart for his people. And when you look at the relationship of Jesus and Peter specifically in scripture, when you sort of follow it kind of chronologically, It's astounding and so Mm -hmm. profound the way that Jesus pursues Peter so intentionally. And all the while, Peter doesn't show up the first day ready to go and the, the perfect disciple. What's beautiful about their story is that right from the beginning, a theme emerges that it's about Jesus, not Peter. (laughs) It's about the covenant of Jesus, not the commitment of Peter and not the commitment of, of any of us. And so we believe their relationship is a really great picture of the father's relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And so when we watch the progression of their relationship, and we watch Peter being transformed in the presence of Jesus, we might be more likely to recognize that happening in us. And so whether we have a story that's full of sort of regret and shame and maybe chapters of our lives we'd rather not revisit, or, you know, some people fall on the other end of the spectrum, they don't feel worthy or um, they don't feel equipped or they don't feel like, like, I'm not the person God would choose, you know, um, you know, we hear that quite a bit. And so it, it almost doesn't matter where you fall in the spectrum, Jesus answers it and says, no, I I choose you. I'm pursuing you, but it's because of my love for you and because of how you'll be transformed in my presence that you get to walk out your calling as a follower. And so their whole journey, we see that coming true. And it, it just helps us to understand where we fit in the story of God as followers all these years later. So that's how this book came to be. And it's called The First Breakfast. And, and it sort of, sort of points to this passage in John 21. We sort of open the book with it, which is kind of the, the end of their earthly time together. Um, Peter had followed Jesus for three years. And then, you know, if you've been in the Word of God or, or around these stories, you know that there's, they had a couple of really profound moments over their three years. And, and Peter was, was very much the leader of the disciples, but he was so human and had two steps forward, one step back a lot along the way. And then of course his, his big denial was such a huge part of his story. Um, the night before Jesus went to the cross. So the first breakfast, that term comes from this moment in John 21 that Jesus recreates for Peter he restores him after Peter's denied him. And then Jesus goes to the cross and then is raised to new life. He sort of, before he, he leaves permanently, he has this moment where he intentionally sort of speaks to what is happening deep inside of Peter. And it's this, 
amazing moment. And um, so that's where the term the first breakfast comes from. Jesus literally cooks the disciples breakfast (laughs) and has this incredible interaction with Peter specifically restoring him and, and kind of sending him out. I love it. And I, I picked up a copy. I got to hear this message that you guys gave um, a couple weeks ago here in town. And I'm halfway through it. I'm working my way through it. But I'm just I'm just loving it. And I just, I'm so grateful for it. And I love that you're bringing to light that the intentionality of God with Peter is the same intention he has with us. I mean, That's I remember right. hearing you say that and being like, yes, of course, of course it is. But we forget that, right? We, That's right. We read about that incredible relationship that, that Peter and Jesus had and just go, oh, if only, you know, like if yeah. only That's we'd right. been there. Well, he is with us That's right. as he was with Peter and, and the intentionality that he takes with him is, yeah. is how he is with us. Um, I told you guys before we got on, I just needed to hear that message. And I, I know there's people listening that need to hear it as well, that, that the redemption that is offered to Peter, mm-hmm. the restoration there at the first breakfast, at mm-hmm. that morning on the beach where he's offering, he's extending that, that redemption for Peter and that restoration. We all need that. There's places in our life and our story that we just desperately long for that, for God to be able to redeem the mess that we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's as great as Peter denying him, you know, flat out denying that he knows him. And if Jesus can redeem that, that he could redeem us with the same intention and the same love. So talk to that person who's listening, who's, who needs that redemption and that restoration. And, and maybe, um, talk about how you've seen him redeem maybe those parts in your life and your story as you've been writing this and, and living in that, that moment of Jesus and Peter. That's good. I think something that we've learned in just talking with people, a lot of times we read scripture and we look at it from the outside looking in like this is just something that happened for them a long time ago. These are their stories. And like you said, if only, you know, but what we've realized, again, like you mentioned, is that God's word pastors us right where we are and speaks right to our soul right where we are so if we can begin the practice of receiving it individually and that was part of our intent with the book um you know there's pictures at all these places but they don't have people in them um and we sort of write in the the present tense when we're sort of talking about the encounters because it is important to recognize that these are moments that did happen between Jesus and Peter, but his heartbeat is that he is doing this in us today. So it's not that these are single interactions. It's the heart of God beating for all of us. We get to see the expression of that through Jesus's relationship with Peter, Mm -hmm. but we need to receive it individually as well. And to sort of not necessarily read these as other than me way back then, you know, and that's what's crazy is so much of the the scripture is written, and this is a little bit technical, but kind of like in the perfect tense, which, which means, you know, there, there's like ongoing, like it happened, but it's ongoing. Yeah. And so to sort of learn how to, you know, just even to, to pray for eyes to receive the heart of God like that, and that what Jesus is doing in these passages, the way that he's choosing his disciples, you know, he didn't go to the the fancy, privileged, prestigious guys in the temple. I mean, he's like, where are my fishermen, you know, kind of yeah. like, where are the guys that are, you know, 
it just, I, I love that. And to even just stop there and kind of go, he didn't look to and fro to see who was the most polished and perfect. Who are the great speakers? Who are the people with the squeaky clean testimonies? He came to save those people as well. But when he was like, these are the people that I want to carry out this story, he picked regular everyday guys that had actually been rejected from sort of the prestigious training. And so there's even redemption in that, just the people that he chose. And so there's a there's a beauty in that for us that we don't have to be already accomplished or already polished and, and, and ready. It's just more like, am I willing? Mm. Am I surrendered? That seems to be the thing he looks for. Am I, am I honest? You know, am I able to receive what he's saying? And yeah, I grew up really relating to Peter, like secretly, <laughs> right? Cause I didn't want anybody to know that I related to Peter like that. I'm like, that's me. I doubt all the time. Mm. I say, I'm going to do something better for God. And then I blow it, especially after mission trips and <laughs> camp experiences and, you know, retreats that I just swore I would never, ever again doubt you, God. And then a week later, I'm like, just hardcore, out on my own, mm. doing what I want to do, full of pride, cussing someone out in traffic. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's just like, I get Peter. Yeah. And what we began to realize about Peter was he his desire. Above his imperfections, which we all have, I just really fell in love with his, Peter's desire to follow him. And I really resonate with that too. I do love Jesus and I do desire to follow him. And when I read about these stories, I'm so thankful that he loves me like that too. You know, and in essence, in loving me, God, you, you made me lovable. And that's it. The only reason that I'm lovable is because you love me first. And the only way that I can love others the way he loves me is if I get that. I get the pursuit of Jesus for me. You know, like my deepest awareness of myself is, is that I'm deeply loved by God and I didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. So my commitment to him translates to desire. God, I desire to follow you. And he was like, well, my covenant is greater than your desire for me. And I think that's how, as I've walked this road here mm-hmm. with the first breakfast, you know, there was, I always heard about the last supper and there was a very solemn kind of like, wow, the disciples kind of blew that one, you know, like, <laughs> but to see Jesus where he promised them, Hey, you're all going to deny me, but I'll be waiting for you in Galilee. That's covenant. Mm. I know what you're going to do. And so I'm going to remind you that you didn't do anything to earn or deserve. And I'm going to be waiting for you in Galilee. And I'm going to be cooking you breakfast. I mean, so. Yeah. Oh when so. Even from even from the, um, the very first time that Jesus meets Peter, he says, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be Cephas, which is translated Peter. And so it's like even the first time Jesus looks at who is Simon at the time, Simon's not done anything to earn the reputation of being Peter. He's not yet done anything (laughs) to earn the reputation of being the rock. But Jesus sees him through the filter of his own covenant and who he will become in the presence of Jesus. 
and Jesus gives him his name and his identity and then which eventually leads to his mission. But again, right from the start, right from their first interaction, it's about Jesus and who we become in his presence so much more so than who we are on our own because what Jesus says about us yeah. says about us is the most important thing about us. And so it's true from the very first moment in this relationship with Jesus and Peter all the way till they're back on the shores of the Sea of Galilee again. And I think that's the, that's the reason we need this story is to see that happen in that relationship so that we believe that about Jesus and believe that's true for us as well. Yeah. That's so good. I, I'm going to quote you. I love when you said, a lifetime in the presence of Jesus is the most transforming force the world has ever known. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I love about Peter as well. Like you're saying, Eric, like Jesus saw him when he met him. He said, he, he acknowledged like, this is who you are now, yep. but mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and name you who you will be. Because of the time you're going to spend with me. And that's what he does with us as well. He sees us and he treats us and he loves us as though we already were what we'll become after a lifetime in his presence. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Yeah, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the intentionality that you guys put behind this study. And Kristen, you briefly mentioned it, but you worked really hard to place some really intentional pictures here, even the cover and what you guys did to this. So I want to hear kind of your heart behind that. And then I also want you to share kind of this full circle of this stone thing yeah. that happened that you shared the mm-hmm. night you spoke here in town. Yeah. And what the, so let's hear about the pictures, your heart behind that. What was, how did you pull that off? And, and really sure. kind of this, this culmination, this stone. Sure. Well, you know, it's funny when we um, did this as a retreat, we sort of would follow the relationship all weekend. And then the last morning, we'd actually commissioned a painter. And originally, we had prints of this painting done of the scene on the beach in John 21. And it was always sort of a great Ebenezer to kind of take and sort of remember, you know, I'm there on the beach, you know, and the invitation to come and have breakfast, he gives to me each day too. And um, then when we it transitioned to becoming a book, you know, we have never been to the Holy Land. And we thought, what if we could get actual photographs of each of these places in scripture so that we can picture them and so that we can picture ourselves there with Jesus. And there's a family friend that we've known her whole life. And she is a photographer, this amazing visual storyteller. Her name is Hannah Taylor. And she was living in Israel at the time. And so over a period of almost two years, we worked with her kind of creating this shot list of these are the places kind of all around, many of them around the Sea of Galilee. And um, so she, she took on this amazing task of sort of capturing these moments, but without people, without all the thousands of tourists, you know, and, <laughs> um, and without all the modern structures and stuff, um, just so that we could sort of distill it down to like a simple representation of, of Yes, mm-hmm. timeless of like what it would have looked like when Jesus and Peter and the disciples were walking. And so so that's kind of how these photos landed in the book kind of all throughout. Um, and we're so grateful to the to the beauty and the artistry she brought to it because we love the pictures. And in fact, she kind of got done with her time there. Oh, that's right. But there was one shot that we still needed, and it's the cover shot. She wasn't able to because of weather and when. There were other times they wouldn't allow her in to the place where she wanted to go to get the picture. She just happened to go back to 
the Holy Land and called us and said, I'm here. Is there anything else you need? And we're like, yes. <laughs> she had just turned 25, and so she was able to rent a car. So she and a friend rented a car. We're like, we'll pay for the car. We'll pay for, you know, whatever yeah. it takes. And so they drove out, camped out in a tent on the Sea of Galilee, and built this fire and took the picture. Oh, As the sun amazing. was rising. They, like, <laughs> it's just like, like literally it. set up the shot, and, you know, there's this fire right on the beach, sort of, you know, the way that we didn't envision it, the way we had it painted. And so she was able to capture it in, in real time, in the real place, you know, it, so it was felt a little bit like an iconic capture of, of the moment. That's so beautiful. But we just wanted the people to, to be able to picture it. And then while you're reading scripture, to be able to like imagine yourself there, right where they were. And that's, we've had some incredible feedback from that. Just people saying, it's been so amazing to be able to picture this. So it's almost like you're reading it as if you're a disciple right there witnessing this Jesus mentoring Peter. Mm -hmm. And then you feel mentor too. You feel disciple too as you're, because you're like, that's me too. That's me too. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. It is a beautiful piece and it adds so much to it. It makes it come alive. Um, last question before we hit our lightning round. Um, Chris mentioned, talk about the stones and the significance of the stones becoming smooth and on the beach and the whole thing. It's just such an incredible mm-hmm. piece. I'd love to yeah. for you to touch on that. So we talk about how like maybe you've been to the beach or to a seashore and or even like a river or something and picked up a stone that's become smooth over time. And um, we kind of did some research and looked at, you know, the, the science of it. It's called weathering sort of when water over long amounts of time softens the edges and um, kind of takes down the, the, the parts that aren't smooth. And um, it's this process by which the weather changes the, the surface of a rock. And we, we talked about how that's such an amazing picture of what happens to Simon the fisherman as he becomes Peter the rock, yeah. literally, um, and how it's his, his time in the presence of Jesus that transforms him into who he will become and how for, for each of us, we are in that messy middle of transformation and it, it is like over a lifetime and, and then the fullness of a relationship that sort of we <laughs> have our edges smoothed and the surface kind of um, softened and, and we become who we are going to be in him because of him in his presence. And so it's just, it's a good picture, you know, Peter wasn't always the rock. <laughs> it was right. his time in the presence of Jesus that made him who he was. And so we, we sort of, when we do it with people, sometimes we'll talk about getting a rock, almost to use as an Ebenezer, a visual reminder of like, I am in the process of being transformed by Christ. And in our instant gratification society, kind of remembering this is a this is a journey this is a this is a relationship I'm not as much as I'd like to be fully transformed and ready to go today yeah yeah. it is a journey and again it's not something that I can manufacture it's Jesus in me and his presence around me that is what is transforming me yeah that's so good. I have my rock right here in my <laughs> office on my bookshelf mm-hmm. in the mornings. And it is so encouraging. It's such a great reminder that 
the invitation is ours to come and join him every morning. Um, and that it might not feel like something grand or something dramatic is happening, but just like that stone that's being washed by the water, transformation is happening. It's a journey. It's a lifetime process, but it's working. Even if we yeah. can't feel it, if it doesn't seem like it's happening, it is. Um, mm-hmm. And it takes time. It's a lifetime in his presence. That's right. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you actually, you mentioned, you reminded me the last part of that is what's crazy and what's really fun about just sort of that word picture is that the Sea of Galilee is a rocky beach. It's not a sandy beach. It's full of rocks. And so even down to the, the location of where Jesus is offering this invitation to come and have breakfast, to, to realize it's in the middle of all these it's rocks. So there's a visual reminder even of the invitation to come every morning to his presence, that to answer the invitation to come and have breakfast and to sort of acknowledge that he is transforming me each day when I come to him. It's so good. It's good. All right. So to summarize, for everyone listening, I know everyone's going to go get it. Your goal <laughs> yes, they and are. hope when they put this study down when they're done at the end, what do you want for that person? Hmm. I would say what we've known from our own experience of taking in this story and watching it is to see the intentional pursuit of Jesus, but to, to be able to walk in freedom and from a place of rest because it's his covenant, not our commitment. And it's about who he is that makes us become who we're supposed to be. And so when we remember that, when we remember what's already true, it's like the pressure is off and no matter what has been a part of our past or no matter the the mystery that might set before us in our future, we can step into that from a place of rest and from a place of freedom, just like Peter did. Peter went on to live out the rest of his days after the first breakfast from a place of rest and full restoration. And so you can see the imprint of Jesus in the words that he would go on to write. And so I think that's our hope. I hope that for me, and I plan to continue learning this the rest of my life, you know, and remembering Mm -hmm. when I forget that it's his covenant that's greater than our commitment. That's great. I love it. Cool. All right. Well, we'd love to finish with three questions. Kristen, you've been through this before. (laughs) You're in round two. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I didn't know if that meant I was off the hook. No, you're not. No, no. No No way. Um, Okay. All right. So what's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? Eric, do you want to start? We want to hear from both you guys. I'll start. Um, Mine would be uh, Messy Spirituality by Michael Iaconelli. He was really kind of the father of youth ministry, founder of youth specialties. Um, the book Messy Spirituality is is really about God's annoying love for imperfect people. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that in the very beginning that he says is spirituality is not a formula. It's a relationship. Spirituality is not about perfection. It's about connection. Spirituality is not about being fixed. It's about God's being present in the mess of our unfixedness. Mm, I love it. Now that book just went up on Amazon. <laughs> why, why is this book going up already? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. All right, Kristen Book. So one that I reread just recently as this was all coming out, um, Emily P. Freeman, who I think you guys have had on. We did. So I, 
one of her older books, actually, A Million Little Ways. Yes, um, love it. I went back, I've read it a couple of times, but went out, like reread it when it was time to sort of begin sharing about this. The subtitle of that is Uncover the Art You Were Made to Live. And I just love the way that she helps us to remember kind of a, a great posture for creating and for sharing um, as a reflection of the creator. And uh, I just, I loved it. I went back and, and reread it again. Um, and it's so profound, even though it's a couple books back for her. For her, I, I love it. Yes. Love Emily. She's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. And what is a habit that's changed your life? I think, I don't know if this is a habit more than <laughs> it is. Um, mine's more, it's a habit, but it's a goal. So I guess that could, a goal could be a habit. But for me, a goal every day is to leave people in places better than I found them. Mm. I want to be in the habit of doing that. that. That's my goal every day, that if I leave a person or a place better than I found it, and it's actually our mission statement as our family, leave people in places better than you found them. And it kind of covers everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Especially people. Yeah. Especially people. So Love it. That's wonderful. Okay, Kristen. So I was thinking about this and something I it, that is maybe more recent for me, as we were writing this, mm -hmm. I actually ended up writing a liturgy for myself that I would sort of read and pray every morning um, because I was noticing sort of, I, I just learned to anticipate these are the things that I'm going to come up against in my mind. These are things that I'm going to start to believe or doubts I'm going to have. Or, and so it was happening every day. So I was kind of yeah. like, let first remember what God says about that. Let me first remember what God says about me and anticipating maybe flesh patterns that would rise up or just doubts or insecurities. And so, um, so I began to sort of anticipate that and then speak to that. What does God's word say about that? And so it was such a profound practice that I've sort of started doing it in other areas of my life. Just like if I'm stepping into, I know that something's coming up ahead that might be difficult in a certain way, speaking to it before it happens mm -hmm. in terms of like, I'm going to remember already as I walk into this, what God says about this or says about me, just so that <laughs> as those things rise up, I already have God's voice first in my mind, you know, and that's a little bit new for me and super profound. Okay, so let me just ask one follow-up question. That, so you sit down, what are some of the lies that you would hear? And what was the truth that you wrote in the liturgy to dispel the lies? Yeah, so, well, like in the book writing, every single morning I'd get up and then I'd start to be like, the world does not need another book and they certainly don't need you to be the one writing it. Like, <laughs> you are not an authority, you are, you know. And I'd be like, that is true, let's be done, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, it was more like, Jesus, you have so transformed our lives that if we believe this to be true, and if we believe that your heart for someone else is that they would come to know this too, then I will gladly surrender to being a part of them hearing this. So it was like the burden for someone else to receive this message. And and so it was more about like, I confess, Lord, that there are parts of me that would like to sound like an authority, but I know that you are the authority. And so I am only representing what you have first said over all of us. And so I, I confess that I might want to 
sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I what I want to say first is that you are the one that holds all truth and speaks truth over us. So that is what my, you know. Teach my words to say that today. You know. Yeah. So that that kind of thing. That's so good. I love. It. I think it was Emily in that book that said anytime you hear the voice that says who do you think you are to do yeah. that that yeah. it's probably pointing to something you're supposed to do so <laughs> right. that's really good yeah. i love that okay last question or if you're wired the other way and you're like the world needs you <laughs> if you're a seven <laughs> you, you probably don't have need that to five. check that and be like well, i don't know if i need you to do that buddy maybe not yet let's go rough some edges off and get you a little smoothed up yes that is true. All right. Back to you. Uh, <laughs> lastly, what advice would you give to the younger you? Your greatest awareness of yourself is that you are his beloved. Mm. Be loved and then be loved. And then and that's my being. I would speak to my being. Mm. And then my doing, I would say your first mission in terms of work is being a husband and a father. And that although God has invited you to be a part of his work, he can take care of his kingdom without you. It's <laughs> good. Yeah, I love that. And and that's probably a similar heartbeat, maybe a different way to say, I think what we've learned these last 10 years, probably, and maybe I probably said some version of this last time, I think is even back in the Old Testament, you know, Exodus 33, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So learning to live from a posture of rest but because I believe in what he's already done and I receive who he already says that I am. So I'm just going to get to step in to what you've invited me to today. It's not like on my shoulders and up to me. It's not about striving. I can rest in what you've already done and then just join in where you're already at work. That's so good. Love it, guys. All right. Well, where can people find you? Get this study, all that good stuff. So uh, withyouministries.com is our website. Um, the books available everywhere, you know, books are sold, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, all that. Um, yeah. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Well, guys, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for stepping out and trusting Jesus and uh, producing this great, great work that I know is going to help a lot of people. We're cheering you on and can't wait to have you on for the next project you do. <laughs> Aw, thanks, thank Chris. Thank you guys thanks, so much. Jimmy. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We hope this episode blessed you, and we would absolutely love to hear from you. Please take a minute and leave us a review on iTunes or hit us up on our website at letsliveitwell.com or come find us on social media. We really do love hearing how these conversations have impacted you and are speaking to your life. Also, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode, and we're going to close this out like we do every single time. Remember, you only get one life. Live it well. <laughs>